Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. Nimrod was a mega villain. He is probably the biggest human villain recorded in the Bible. He was the grandson of Ham and the son of Cush, and he founded a great false religious system. Everything about Nimrod was rebellious. He lived in defiance of his creator. Genesis 10, starting in verse 8, And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the eternal. It should read against the eternal. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter against the eternal. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Calneh in the land of Shinar. That's Genesis 10 verses 8 through 10. Nimrod was a mighty hunter. He was a natural leader. He had a lot of power. This passage in the Bible only describes the beginning of his kingdom. He ruled many cities. He was in charge of many kings. He established the Babylonian mystery religion. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Genesis 11 talks about Nimrod building the Tower of Babel. This tower that was supposed to reach up to heaven. Now the whole reason for this tower was so that humans could climb up high into the sky at the top of this tower. And that way they wouldn't get drowned in another flood. God had already flooded the earth once. And Nimrod wanted to make sure that humans would not suffer the same fate ever again. But God had already promised not to flood the earth ever again. You can see that in Genesis 9 verses 11 through 13. Nimrod essentially was calling God a liar. He said, we can't trust God. We have to protect ourselves from him. We want to live a rebellious lifestyle, but be immune from his curses. So let's build this tower up to the heavens and continue living the way that we always did. Continue living the way that people before the flood lived. And this time, God won't have the power to drown us. Now, that obviously is an absurd way of thinking. God has ultimate power over the entire universe. Nimrod must not have understood God's power very well if he thought that building a high tower could protect him from God's wrath. 
But God did not kill these rebellious people who were building the Tower of Babel. Instead, he confused them. He caused them to speak Babel. Instead of speaking all one language anymore, they began to speak different languages and they could no longer understand each other. And so the people scattered, they spread out all over the earth, different groups speaking different languages, going off together. Now, this didn't necessarily stop humans from rebelling. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Nimrod outside of here in Genesis, but it has a lot of subtle references to Nimrod. Maybe once we understand all that Nimrod was a part of, we can see references to Nimrod all throughout the Bible. But the main impact of Nimrod on the entire world came after he died. Again, this Babylonian mystery religion, this great false religious system that Nimrod set up, it really built momentum after Nimrod died. Nimrod had established a pagan form of religion where the people would worship the sun, the serpent, Basically, they were worshiping Satan and the demons. And for this pagan religious worship, it is said that Shem actually assassinated Nimrod and cut his body in pieces and sent pieces of his body all over the land as a warning to anyone else who would dare worship the sun or the serpent. There are a lot of historical accounts that verify this history that Nimrod was killed early, pretty early in his life. Now this would have been terrifying for any of Nimrod's followers for any of the practitioners of his Babylonian mystery religion. Because if someone could get to Nimrod, a man with such great power over so many kings, they could easily become the next victims. Nimrod's followers didn't have nearly the power that Nimrod had, and yet Nimrod was taken out. So what about them? This obviously created a lot of fear among Nimrod's followers. People were afraid to worship the sun and the serpent like Nimrod did. This pagan worship was, wasn't just idolatry, worshiping inanimate objects and parts of the creation rather than the creator. It also involves such things as child sacrifice and 
sexual perversion, just a decadent, hedonistic religion. And the people still wanted to worship this in this false way. However, obviously, the repercussions were pretty dramatic. They didn't want to be chopped in pieces like Nimrod was. So they decided to keep worshiping the way Nimrod did, but in a more secretive manner. It would be a mystery to anyone outside of their religion. They would set up an entire system of worship where secretly they were still worshiping the sun and the serpent, but those idols were represented by something else that outsiders would not recognize. This religion originated in the city of Babylon. It was a mystery to anyone outside of that religion, and therefore we call it the Babylonian mystery religion. This false religion has spread over the entire earth, and it's mainly because of the efforts of Nimrod's mother, Semiramis. His mother was also his wife. Mother and son got married, as sick as that is. But after Nimrod died, Semiramis decided to make sure that he was remembered as a god. Nimrod already thought of himself as a god while he was alive. And Semiramis wanted to make sure he was also remembered as a god when he was dead. So, Semiramis gave birth to an illegitimate child and claimed that he was begotten by a spirit as the rebirth of Nimrod. It was Nimrod reborn, apparently. Now, actually, it was her son, Tammuz. It was not Nimrod reborn, of course. She was setting up a counterfeit system. Semiramis knew that a Christ child would come on the scene in the future and he would be the way for human beings to obtain eternal life. Semiramis was familiar with the teaching of Noah, the preacher of righteousness. So she knew about the coming son of God, how he would be born of a woman through immaculate conception without a physical father, just Christ's mother being impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And that's how Christ came into existence as a human. So Semiramis took this story, this prophecy of Christ to come in the future, and she counterfeited it. She said, 
that's exactly how my child was conceived by a spirit. And my son is actually the rebirth of Nimrod. And Nimrod is the savior of all mankind. This was a deadly mix of paganism with a story that sounds very similar to the truth of the Bible. It was sun and serpent worship combined with the teachings of the Bible about a coming savior for all mankind. It was the Babylonian mystery religion. Nimrod was worshipped as a god in this religion, as the savior of all mankind. He was given the name Baal, which is also the name of a false god featured throughout the Old Testament of the Bible. So anytime Baal is mentioned in the Bible, it's actually referring back to Nimrod. So that's one way that Nimrod is actually referenced throughout the Bible. This religious system really did spread around the world. In any culture, in any religion where there's a mother-son dynamic, it does point back to Semiramis and Nimrod. For example, the Egyptian mother Isis and son Horus, the Roman mother Venus and son Jupiter, or even in traditional Christianity where people worship the Virgin Mary along with the baby Jesus Christ. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says that Mary should be worshipped. She was a human. Christ was God in the flesh. There is a big difference. We don't worship human beings. That is pagan. And yet there is such a major, massive focus on Mary in traditional Christianity. And she is glorified as a goddess, practically. In nations like China, Japan, Tibet, some of the Scandinavian nations, all over the place, you can see counterfeits. Greece as well. Ireland, India. So many nations around the world have prominent religious figures that were mother and son. The son in these stories, these religious stories around the world, well, he was killed before his time. He was a victim, unjustly slaughtered, despite being the savior of all mankind. That's just a counterfeit of what Jesus Christ came to this earth to do, to die for our sins.
now for some reason <laughs> mankind is very very stubborn we would much rather do things our own way than listen to god come w- come up with our own way of worship come up with our own way of doing things rather than doing it the way that god says and this is such a prevalent problem that even in God's own church, women weep for Tammuz. You can see that in Ezekiel 8, verse 14. We have a book titled Ezekiel, the End Time Prophet, available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, in which Mr. Gerald Fleury thoroughly proves that this passage in Ezekiel is about God's rebellious church in this end time. People within the church weeping for Tammuz, the son of Semiramis, the one who supposedly is Nimrod reborn. Just a total lie, a total counterfeit religious system. Nimrod invented the magic arts. He used magic tricks to impress his converts. And this is very similar to Simon Magus in Acts chapter 8. So you see a prominent, powerful leader of the Babylonian mystery religion, even in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament. Notice here, Uh, a little bit of this history about Nimrod. This is, this is about really the origins of some of the holidays that are so widely kept today. Semiramis believed, or she claimed that a dead stump produced a full-grown evergreen tree overnight. This symbolized the new life of Nimrod. Nimrod was killed and cut in pieces for being a rebel, for trying to set up one world government in rebellion against God, just like existed before the flood. And so Nimrod was killed and cut up as an example that No one else would do the same thing. But then Semiramis said, okay, actually, my illegitimate child is Nimrod reborn. Just like this dead stump grew into a full-grown evergreen tree overnight. Semiramis said that Nimrod would visit the evergreen tree and leave gifts underneath it each year on the anniversary of his birth, December 25th. Jeremiah 10 talks about a custom remarkably similar to Christmas today, even though Jeremiah wrote probably almost a thousand years before Jesus Christ was even born. Christmas, in its many forms, in, in many cultures around the world, was kept long before Christ was born. 
And nowhere in the Bible does it say we should even celebrate the birth of Christ. It says we should memorialize his death during the annual Passover. And that's in the springtime, not in the middle of winter. Notice as well a little bit more here about the Christmas tradition. Saint Nick, <laughs> that is associated with Christmas, Saint Nick. The name Nicholas comes from the Greek words Nikos and Leos. And when you put Nico Leos together, it means conqueror or destroyer of people. Nimrod was the main conqueror or destroyer of people after the flood. Another of Nimrod's names was Sanctus or Santa, meaning saint, because Nimrod was set up as a saint. He was set up as a martyr for all humanity. He was just this helpless victim. He wanted to save mankind, and then he was killed young in his life, early in his life. Now, even we, we saw how Nimrod is mentioned in the book of Genesis. He's mentioned all throughout the Old Testament whenever the word Baal is used. Or in Ezekiel 8, where Tammuz is mentioned, like we said. But also, here in the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Nimrod is also mentioned if we understand enough about Nimrod to know what this is talking about. Revelation 2, verse 15. So have you also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. This is talking about the Pergamus era of God's one true church. Nearly 2,000 years ago, even God's own, own church was getting into the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. This is getting right back to good old Saint Nick. This is talking about grafting pagan customs into the worship of God. So the Christmas tree, celebrating Christmas, Santa Claus, all of these customs that trace right back to Nimrod, the main rebel after the flood, but then pretending like all of these customs are Christian. Even God's own church in the Pergamus era was suffering with the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And here in this end time, we have women weeping for Tammuz in God's own church. So desperate to blend in with worldly customs that are anti-God. And God says he hates it. We can't just take pagan practices and say that we are using them to please God. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't like it. It's rebellion against him. It traces back to Nimrod, the mighty hunter against the eternal. 
Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.